This is the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome to Change, Redefining Success, the podcast designed to inspire you and give you actionable information to enhance, up-level, reimagine, and reinvent your life and your livelihood. No matter where you started, where you are now, or where you've been, you too can lead an authentic, first-class life. Each week, new stories of turning points and transformation will help you define what success means to you so you can live your best life on your terms. Now here's your host, first-class life mentor and certified Profiting From Your Passions coach, Kate Fessler. Welcome to Change, Redefining Success. I'm your host, Kate Fessler. What drives behavior? What does that mean for companies? My guest today, Melina Palmer, host of the Brainy Business Podcast, has dedicated her career to answering these questions for herself and her clients. Her senior thesis from the University of Washington was presented at the Association of Consumer Research Symposium, India, and she has gone on to pursue a master's in behavioral economics from the Chicago School of Professional Psychology. Melina works with companies and entrepreneurs to understand the small changes that can make a big difference in product programs, pricing, change initiatives, branding, internal communication, and marketing to increase engagement and ROI. Welcome, Melina. Thanks so much for having me. Tell me about your career. Have you always been focused on consumer behavior? Yes, I would say that it is, that is a fair statement to make, you know, consumer behavior for me has always been fascinating. And when I wrapped up or was finishing up my undergraduate in business administration, which I had a focus in marketing, I remember there was one class, one section just in one right at the end that was about consumer behavior. And I had thought, this is amazing. And this is what I want to study. I want to pursue a master's in this. And while others were you know, looking toward MBAs, I knew that I really was wanting a master's in some form of behavioral psychology, but programs really didn't exist for the better part of 10 years while I was looking into it. And uh, during that time, I led the marketing department at a credit union and had owned a consultancy before that, worked at an advertising agency. But while I was at the credit union, I found behavioral economics, which is a really unflattering name to a very fascinating field. And that is what I am now dedicating my uh, research to, my a lot of my time to, and my business to. And that's helping other business owners and marketing professionals to be able to understand what behavioral economics is, why it matters to their business, and how they can implement the learnings to be more successful. What was your senior thesis about at UW? <laughs> Uh, it had a very, very long title and it was comparing the, um, advertisements for, uh, in print. So it was magazine advertisements in both Japan and the United States and comparing them over various product types to see if the, type of product, which was classified as either high cognition or low cognition, and then high emotion and low emotion products, if there was a difference in the verbiage to be able to impact the way that those were sold, and if it uh, was different in varying countries. (laughs) 
What is the Association of Consumer Research Symposium, and did you present your thesis yourself in India? Unfortunately, I was unable to attend for that. This was published in tandem with my thesis advisor, and he was uh, has family in in India, and he had said he had submitted on our behalf, essentially, you know, asked my permission to publish the research and everything, and it got accepted by ACR. They they still do conferences and research around the world. Uh, they actually have. Um, a symposium in Dallas um, uh, later this year, uh, which I, at least at this point, am not attending, but they just focus on um, consumer-based research and how it is impactful uh, for businesses. You went to the Chicago School of Professional Psychology for your master's. So behavioral economics is essentially psychology, not really economics? (laughs) Well, what I like to say when I speak on this topic and the question of what is behavioral economics is very much the most common question I get asked. And it is usually along the lines of when someone, you know, you're at networking event and someone says, oh, what do you do? And uh, I say, you know, something about behavioral economics and they say, what's in what? What is that? <laughs> so what I like to say is if traditional economics and psychology had a baby, you would end up with behavioral economics. It's essentially that traditional economics has a problem in that the the models that it uses are assuming logical people making rational decisions, and that is not the world that we live in. And so the economic models are often wrong and cannot accurately predict behavior of what people will actually do. Uh, this causes problems with focus groups and all sorts of things. So over time, psychologists and economists started working together or stepping into one another's fields and doing a lot of really interesting research that has resulted in this new field, which is called behavioral economics. So what does this mean for the average business? Give me some examples of how a business could use this um, and, and what it would do for them. So when it comes to behavioral economics, really what this is, is the study of the brain and how behavior, uh, how people actually make decisions. So what I always start with is a little bit of a foundation into how the brain actually works. So our brains are have a conscious and a subconscious space. We all know this, we've heard it over time, but what most people don't realize is that your subconscious brain actually does about 99% of your brain's processing. And the highest study I've seen actually puts it at 99.999%. (laughs) So it is very significant in the processing that's happening. So we think that we know what our brains are doing, how they work, how we make decisions and choices. But in reality, the subconscious is running the show and you don't 
really know what it's doing. And it's the same with your customers. And so if you don't understand what is guiding their decisions, then you can't be accurately speaking to the subconscious brain. And it's, it's like the gatekeeper is how I like to think about it. So your subconscious brain is essentially scanning the world around you all the time and just saying normal, 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 normal flag. When it sees something that draws its attention or, or makes it stand up, then it will refer that over to the conscious brain to take over and to process. Your subconscious brain moves very quickly as it's evaluating information that's either important enough to flag the conscious brain or not. And it is able to make those choices based on rules of thumb. So it uses rules that we've developed as a species over time in many cases. And then as individuals, we you know, either really latch onto some of those or develop others of our own. But what it does is because as a species, we have created um, these trends in behavior, you can accurately predict what will happen when you present information in various ways. And this is where, you know, they say the color red makes people more hungry. And that is why McDonald's has it in their logo or something along those lines. And then getting into business decisions, I talk about the way that you can stack pricing together and how you want to present products in a way that is most impactful for uh, a business. I actually, episode five of my podcast, The Brainy Business, is called The Truth About Pricing and where I really dig into how you get to this pricing impact and how to properly price, but really all of what leads up to the price, where price is sort of a is very much a secondary item when it comes to the pricing itself. Hmm. Yeah, I've heard a lot about price elasticity and, you know, the psychology of like, oh, it should be 97 or 99, but never a round number. Is, Is that the kind of thing you're talking about or is it something different? That is part of it, yes. However, in my opinion, the... As long as the price, so that I think is more impactful for the beginning number. And so being able to say something is $9.99 instead of $10 is uh, more impactful than um, if you, the difference between the sort of that pennies or dollars at the end. And even once you get into, you know, $2,500 versus $2,499 there, I think it's less about that. That does matter in the way that the brain will interpret um, and say something is like gas, for example, you know, that, oh, it's only, you know, $3 and 49 cents a gallon. Whereas if it was three fifty, it just looks higher to your brain in, in some cases. Well, so at 0.99 cents. <laughs> right. Right. Yes. Which makes uh, it, yeah, it's silly. It's very silly. So, but it does, that does work. However, part of the thing is, so people who are really good at selling things and when it comes to getting, it's about 
having an emotional tie to whatever the product is. When you really care about something, you've, you've bought in before you even know what the price is in many cases. And your subconscious isn't necessarily tying into the price in that way. So one of the examples that I give, uh, the main example really that I give in that episode of the podcast is, so if you imagine you're walking down the street, so you and I, Kate, we're walking down the street and we're having a nice conversation. And all of a sudden there's this scent of cookies in the air. So you can smell cookies and it's maybe two, three o'clock in the afternoon and you start to think, oh, that smells good. Where are those? And, you know, we're very distracted from the conversation we were having. We start looking around, trying to find the storefront of wherever this bakery is. By the time we get to the door, our brain is very excited, actively looking for this. We get inside, they offer a free sample, and they hand over a flyer that says, you know, today only, buy three, get one free. And before we know it, we've walked out of there, each eating a cookie and with one for later. And that's not an uncommon scenario to think of. If you were to flip it around and have all those same things happen in reverse, So we're walking down the street and all of a sudden some random stranger shoves a flyer in our faces and says, hey, hey, today only buy uh, three and you get four of these, you know, three for the price of four, whatever, you know, you get the cookies and here this is coming for you and get some for the family, take some home. And we think, "Ugh, what are you doing? Shoving this flyer in my face. I don't want cookies right now. And maybe now our conversation is about rude salespeople By the time we get in front of the store and smell the cookies, we're actually really irritated. Maybe one of us decides to do a Yelp review about their terrible approach and are not buying cookies at all. In reality, it could be the exact same cookies. Uh, They could be delicious and, and all the same things happened, but they happened in the wrong order because the scent of the cookies, it's is enticing you, bringing you in, getting your subconscious brain excited and looking for cookies. By the time you actually are going to buy them, you know, price is a later consideration when your brain is, your subconscious brain is making that sort of buying decision for you already. You can logic your way in once you get there to say, well, it's today only, and I get this one free, and you know, this is so great, and we have two hours before we're going to eat dinner, you know, whatever it is. Um, And regardless of what the price is, you know, it could have been, you know, 50 cents a cookie in the bad scenario and $3 a cookie in the good scenario. And it wouldn't have made much of an impact. You know, we sure weren't going in that second time. And so uh, as far as like price elasticity, so, but if they said, Oh, they're, you know, it's the same deal, but they're $20 a cookie. We'd probably exactly. turn around and walk out and say, exactly. Right. No cookies worth that. <laughs> yes. So there is a limit to where you can blow the whole thing, right? You can, you can ruin it all. If you had hundred dollar cookies and we get there, it's a lot easier to turn that down. But as long as you're getting to a reasonably established cookie price, you know, you typically would be okay to sell those at that point. But if you think about like Starbucks and how they were able to take a very commoditized industry and something everybody knew of and was already, most people were drinking coffee every day, but were able to take what had been, you know, a 50 cent 
or maybe a dollar to get a cup of coffee into, you know, $5 a pop and all these different drinks and everything that goes into that process, they had to work on the subconscious brain and separating out from what every other coffee is to, to segment, to be able to charge more. And again, where I know for me, sometimes when I go to Starbucks, my venti chai tea latte is $4.85 and sometimes it's $5.15 and I honestly have no idea why <laughs> it just sort of happens uh, but where you are if you're right in yeah area often they are much more expensive I know and you know inside of an airport versus not or whatever and I don't really care because I've already decided I'm getting a chai and I love my, my chai and that is what it is. And I go, woohoo, it's 485 today. And then the next time I get one, I go, oh man, you know, then I have less that I'm able to get, but it's not in that case, it's not about the price in the same way in that other analogy. It's not about the cookie. It's the process that you get there. So, so those things do matter. You can blow it in some ways, but all the stuff that leads up can be much more important to get somebody that they're ready to buy. Mm -hmm. Well, that's fascinating for business. On the other side, as consumers, the more we know about this, I guess, the more we understand our own behavior. Yes, definitely. It is fascinating to consider the things that we do and start to look at them through this lens, which obviously I do all the time. And you know, the funny thing is, even though we know some of the rules, they still get you essentially (laughs) that you don't, you don't become immune to this because it is hardwired into our brains and how they work. Uh, An example of this is in the way that our subconscious works, a really good way to think about it is driving a car. So when you first learned to drive a car, it was a very conscious, focused, effort, especially if you were learning to drive on a stick. You know, you're thinking, are my hands at 10 and 2? Where are my mirrors? What is my left foot doing? What's my right foot doing? How do I do this? What do I do? And and you're very, very engrossed in the process. And then very quickly, you get to a point where you're able to drive simply and easily, no problem, no you know concerns. You're just all over and, and all those things are still happening. Your subconscious is still considering them. But then... Um, it's, but it's not having to flag your conscious brain to pay attention to it. It can be working on other things until maybe you're driving next to a semi truck and a guardrail and you start to tense up and you're really focused on what you're doing. Or if you start looking for an address or, um, you know, there are cars swerving into your lane or it's snowing or raining really hard where you then your focus and your conscious is working on that again. And the thing that happens for me is on my car, I have a step emergency brake. So I, um, you know, step down to either release or, or put the e-brake on. And my husband's car has a pull lever e-brake in the center console. And every single time, almost without fail, even when I think about it in advance and I, you know, I, I go, when I'm driving his car, I do this sort of step to nowhere where I put my left foot down and then very quickly realize that there's not an e-brake there. And then I have to go, Ugh, Melina, you literally talk about this every single day and how you're not going to do that. But um, my subconscious has gotten so used to the process of driving and starting my car and getting 
you know, out into the world or whatnot, that it will just sort of gloss over that aspect because it's a rule that it's created for itself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's kind of like today I went to meet a friend for lunch and I had to go north on the freeway instead of I normally go south. Um. And so as I'm sitting at the light waiting to go to the ramp, I'm I'm singing to myself. I'm going to work today. I'm going to work today. I'm going to work today (laughs) because I know if I'm not focused on that, I am going to find myself on the southbound freeway and I'm going to have to turn around. Absolutely. I, I did that once. I had a, a, a very sad memory of in when I was in college, actually in my undergrad and was driving to school and, you know, had not, did not have enough time to get on the wrong way of the freeway. <laughs> so, and I had done that. So, yes. so you mentioned your podcast called The Brainy Business. Besides what you've already mentioned, what are the kinds of things you talk about? Well, I have some really exciting, I think, episodes on the podcast, one that is foundational. So the first episode is a lot of the foundations, some of the examples I've given here today, but it's called Unlocking the Secrets of the Brain and just giving you a place to start from. I would highly recommend starting there. But episode two is about the top five wording mistakes businesses make. And that topic came out of, as I was getting ready to launch the podcast, I had asked people that already had seen me speak at events or things like that, that were um, following the Facebook page, liking that page or whatnot, you know, what, what do you want to hear about? What would you be interested in? And that was definitely the top response of um, those wording mistakes. So I go through what they are and explain how, what it is that they're doing in the brain and then how you can change behavior, what you would be doing differently to be able to correct those issues if you're doing them in your own business. And honestly, they're, I call them common for a reason. If anybody was to listen to that and say, I've never done any of these, I would be shocked. I, there's no, yeah, yeah, yeah. You send me, (laughs) yeah, you, you email Melina at the brainy business.com. If you have, (laughs) if you honestly can go through there and say, you've never done one of these. Uh, So, and then episode three is all about lead magnets, which I know is a really popular topic these days. So I try to take, it's my uh, mission, I guess, in life to take behavioral economics something that is very academic and not really relatable yet to um, everybody and to help translate it so that people understand what it is, why it matters and using everyone else's language versus the field's language. So one of my favorite topics uh, or concepts in behavioral economics is called hyperbolic time discounting. And I think we might've talked about this <laughs> when we had dinner recently, but hyperbolic time discounting is a terrible name. Like, it took me a long time <laughs> to be able to remember and say it quickly. And it's a really cool concept. It is, like I said, one of my favorite ones. It's, it's absolutely fascinating, but it doesn't sound sexy by any means. So if I had a, an episode of my podcast called hyperbolic time discounting and why it matters to you, you know, nobody's clicking on that thing, <laughs> but being able to explain 
really what it is and why it matters is more important. And in this case, <laughs> because I'm anticipating that your question might be, what is hyperbolic time discounting? So I'll just, <laughs> I'll just circumvent and, and keep talking, I guess. But the, what hyperbolic time discounting is, is if you've ever said, um, you know, it's, let's say it's Saturday night uh, or you wake up Sunday morning and you had a few too many drinks or, or delicious cake or whatever it is the night before. And that you say, okay, first thing Monday morning, I'm starting my diet exercise program, savings program, quitting smoking, whatever it is. It's sort of this like Monday morning is always when everybody thinks they're going to start their new life. Right. (laughs) And then you wake up Monday when the alarm goes off at 5 a.m. because you said you were going to run and you feel like a completely different person and you go, oh, I can't do that today because, you know, I have this meeting coming up, whatever it is. So what actually happens in this case is, so studies have shown that the way that your brain thinks about itself is different. It lights up differently if you're in an MRI scanner than if I was thinking or talking about someone else. So if I was to say, I'm going for a run right now or was thinking about myself running, it would light up differently than if I said Kate went for a run today. And what is amazing is when you are talking about yourself in the future tense, for most of us, our brain actually lights up as if it's talking and thinking about a completely different person. So Monday Melina truly is a different person than right now Melina as far as my brain is concerned. And so when you wake up Monday morning, it's you (laughs) versus who your brain thought it was committing to getting up and running on Monday. And so understanding how that impacts behavior of now versus later and how you're able to stay motivated or, you know, you say you want to um, go to a conference and then when the time comes or you you say you're going to go meet with people and talk to people and then you get there and it's really difficult to do or you sign up for a webinar and then it's time to listen to it and you don't take the time to do it because of this phenomena in the way that our brain processes information. Mm, I bet a lot of people can relate to that. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. We're at the point in the podcast where I have to ask you, what is one book or resource that changed your life that you would recommend to people? Well, my absolute favorite book is called A More Beautiful Question. And the author of that book is Warren Berger. And I read it several years ago. And he essentially talks about the power of asking good questions and how in our society, we really get hung up in having the right answer, but often being able to ask powerful questions and have questions that stick with you can drive more innovation and positive behavior. He gives examples in personal life and in business. So, you know, Airbnb and Kodak uh, were founded on these really great questions that stuck with the, the founders in those cases. And there are a ton of examples in the book, but he actually gives you know, steps as to the type of questions. There's why, what, if, and how questions, how you work through them. I dedicated actually episode four of the Brainy Business Podcast is called Questions or Answers and giving tips about being better at 
um, having innovative practices. And I talk a lot more about the book there. So I would recommend to check that out and or just get that book because it's awesome. Hmm. Melina, how do you personally define success for yourself? What is your vision of what a first-class life means to you? Oh, that's a really good question. I would say that for me, a first-class life is one where I am able to have a have time with my family, as well as being able to pursue that which I love and am passionate about, which for me is, you know, behavioral economics, how it impacts businesses and having a large audience that I'm able to share that with. That is, that is my dream. If people want to find out more about you and your work, how can they do that? I would recommend, uh, you know, downloading, subscribing to the Brainy Business Podcast. I have found out recently now, if you search just for behavioral economics on iTunes, uh, the first podcast suggestion that comes up is mine. Hooray. Uh, But but you can also search for the Brainy Business itself. And you can go, the website is thebrainybusiness.com. And I'm also very active on social media Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, what have you. And I do YouTube videos regularly and everything is just under for social, the brainy biz, B-I-Z, because the brainy business was too many characters for Twitter, unfortunately. So I had to, <laughs> I had to make now a that's some behavioral economics, right? I know, I know. It's, and so it was a struggle for me for sure, but I, I've come, I've come to terms with it. <laughs> so, um, yes. And if you do go to my website, I have a free ebook that you can download. It's just called, um, just on the brainy And that is on the 10 behavioral economics concepts you need to know and how to apply them. Uh, But, you know, lots of info on the podcast as well. What's next for Melina Palmer? Well, I am putting on my first workshop in the Seattle area in October that I am very excited about being able to work with a group of entrepreneurs and marketing professionals together and showcase where if if you bring a, a, a problem or a piece that you're not sure about or whatever it happens to be, and I can evaluate each one in front of the room And, um, so you get to learn on yours as well as then everybody else's and everybody gets, you know, between 30, 45 minutes, depending on how many people are in the group and I'm keeping it limited. Uh, so being able to do that workshop, I'm really excited about, and I am in the process of putting together a book, which will be, I just, it definitely does not have a a coming out date yet, but it's coming someday. Um, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, we'll look forward to that. So if people want to come to your workshop, how can they find out more about it? So I share it on uh, the social media for sure. But if it's October 24th in Linwood at, um, and so you can search for it on Eventbrite or um, you can get information uh, by sending me an email, melina at thebrainybusiness.com. And it's on the um, you know, social and I will get it on the website. <laughs> okay. so. so it's thebrainybusiness.com, not just brainybusiness.com. Correct. Yes. The 
brainybusiness.com. All right. Well, Melina Palmer, the Brainy Business Podcast and Behavioral Economics Authority. (laughs) Thanks so much for your time today. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for joining us. This is the EWN Podcast Network. Do you feel like you're drowning in administrivia? Do you have a podcast you would like transcribed to repurpose as a blog or even a best-selling book? Rhonda's Virtual Office is the answer to the freedom you crave so you can get busy doing what you love. Let Rhonda's Virtual Office give you the relief you need. Visit rondasvirtualoffice.com and get some peace of mind today. Rhonda's Virtual Office is the go-to transcription service for EWN Podcast Network. Thanks for joining us. Back now with your host, Kate Fessler. The human brain is a strange thing indeed. I find this stuff fascinating, why we do what we do. Whether it's why we think a certain way, why we find it so hard to change the things we think and do, why we're attracted and repelled by certain things, and of course, why we choose to spend our money in certain ways and on certain things over others. Melina is very good at putting these complex concepts into easy to understand examples and quote plain English for those of us whose eyes glaze over when we hear things like hyperbolic whatever that was, but find it totally riveting to hear about how we think of ourselves as a third party in the future and why those good intentions tend to fall by the wayside. If you'd like some insight into why you buy, I invite you to do a quick exercise to get your bank personality code. You'll get a full report by email that will give you insight into why you buy and why certain things attract or repel you in ways they don't for everyone. Go to mybankcode.com forward slash first class life and put the cards in the order of what's most important to you. You'll have to provide some information, including your email address, so you can receive the report on your bank personality code. I guarantee you'll find it enlightening and it's free. So what have you got to lose? If you have something to add to the conversation, please leave a comment on my Facebook page, First Class Life Solutions. Maybe tell me what your bank code is and whether you found it surprising. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give it a rating on iTunes or wherever you listen. Follow the show to be reminded of upcoming episodes and please tell your friends. What's your story? If you'd like to share it on this podcast to inspire others, please click on the link at the bottom of the show page and fill out the survey. If it seems like a good fit, I'll be in touch. I hope you'll join me next week for another interview with an inspiring woman. Until then, cheers to your authentic first-class life. I'm Kate Fessler. Thanks for listening to Change, Redefining Success. EWN Podcast Network. I'm Sandra Yancey, CEO and founder of eWomen Network. We invite you to listen to all of our EWN Podcast hosts at EWNPodcastNetwork.com.